Section thirty four of the Mysteries of London, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of London, Volume three by George W. M. Reynolds. Section thirty four. The Pious Lady the baronet entered the room with a smiling countenance and a graceful salutation pray be seated ladies he exclaimed addressing himself to adelais and rosamond who had risen from their chairs my dear mrs slingsby i need not inquire concerning your health for you look quite charming this morning you know sir henry that i am not pleased by flattery said the lady in a reproachful tone a thousand pardons my dear madam returned the baronet but you must remember that we have now been acquainted for some years that our friendship is not only of yesterday's date and that if i venture on a little freedom with you it is as a brother might address himself to a sister for whom he has the highest esteem yes ladies he added turning towards adelais and rosamond this excellent woman this almost angel as i may denominate her was a mother to my children and that is a circumstance which i can never forget you attach more importance than is necessary sir henry to the mere performance of a duty observed mrs slingsby in a calm and modest manner adelais and rosamond exchanged glances which seemed to say admirable woman we already love her as much as if she were our maternal parent but i am afraid that i am interrupting an occupation of more value than my idle chit-chat can possibly prove to be exclaimed sir henry who surveyed rosamond with an ill-concealed admiration some useful or pious labour was engaging you young ladies no doubt for in the society of mrs slingsby not a moment is likely to be passed without producing a benefit to at least some section of the great human family the anniversary of that holy day on which the saviour of mankind suffered on the cross is approaching sir henry observed mrs slingsby in a tone and manner suiting the solemnity of her remark and you know that i am in the habit of forwarding my might at this season of the year to those humane religious or philanthropic institutions which deserve support i never forget any of those pious duties which you have taken upon yourself my dear madam said the baronet and indeed the object of my present visit is but the act of charity of which i am desirous to make you the instrument he added glancing towards the young ladies involves details of so painful a nature that i understand you sir henry interrupted mrs slingsby and this consideration for the feelings of those who are not accustomed to look upon the dark side of the world's picture is worthy of your generous disposition adelais my love rosamond dearest pray retire for a short period the request was conveyed in a manner so affectionate and with such witching softness that the maidens to whom it was addressed could not help embracing their kind friend ere they left the room the moment the door had closed behind them sir henry drew his chair close to that of mrs slingsby and placing his arm round her waist imprinted a kiss of burning desire upon her lips martha you are really surprisingly beautiful to-day he whispered in her ear do you think so henry she murmured her eyes lighting up with the excitement of that contiguity and yet i have fancied that your behaviour has been somewhat cold towards me of late do not entertain such a suspicion my dearest creature exclaimed the baronet 
plunging his hand into the bosom of this pious lady's dress had either of us a right to complain i think it would be myself for oh do not reproach me henry she murmured abandoning herself to his lustful toyings but ever since the difficulty i experienced in producing that last miscarriage i have been so frightened lest nonsense martha do not alarm yourself without a cause interrupted the baronet even if it did come to that the matter could be easily arranged a few weeks retirement into the country on some charitable mission ha <laughs> ha true said the frail fair one but the chances of detection oh i shudder when i think of it consider how admirably we have hitherto managed and how completely the world is deceived in regard to us added the baronet laughing there is nothing like a religious demeanour to throw dust in people's eyes were a syllable of scandal breathed against you you have the patrons of all those humbugging societies to defend you but what are you going to do with yourself this evening can you not devote a few hours to me i wish i could henry returned the lady but it is impossible a dreadful bore named sheepshanks is going to entertain the devout with his nonsense and it would seem so odd so very odd if i were not present it is now upwards of three weeks since we slept together said the baronet in a tone of reproach yes but you know that i cannot pretend too often to pass the entire night by the sick-bed of some poor woman returned mrs slingsby and now dearest henry i have a favour to ask of you name it said the baronet in a low murmur for his passions were furiously excited by his voluptuous toyings with his mistress you must write me a cheque for a thousand pounds replied the lady winding her arms round his neck and then literally gluing her lips to his oh you are becoming very extravagant martha said the baronet but i suppose i must yield you are a dear generous fellow murmured the lady as she suffered herself to be led to the sofa a quarter of an hour afterwards mrs slingsby rang the bell and a sleek comfortable-looking footman answered the summons the lady was then sitting in her usual quiet placid manner in a chair near the table and the baronet was placed at a respectful distance from her bring up luncheon james said mrs slingsby sir henry you will take a glass of champagne i know you are somewhat partial to it but a decanter of water for me james yes madam and the domestic withdrew in a short time he returned bearing a tray which he placed on the table and then retired again having paid their respects to the cold viands placed before them the lady and gentleman did honour to the champagne both drinking out of the same glass the servant having only brought up one of the descriptions suited to that particular wine when the collation was ended mrs slingsby drank a tumbler of water to take away the smell of the champagne from her mouth but she did not appear to relish the limpid beverage quite so well as the rich juice of epernay the baronet then wrote the lady a cheque on his banker for a thousand pounds and having made a certain little appointment with her for a particular evening in the ensuing week and at a place of rendezvous as convenient as it was safe he took his departure immediately after sir henry had left the abode of mrs slingsby that lady's housekeeper sought the presence of her mistress and was forthwith admitted to the private interview which she desired what is it magdalen inquired mrs slingsby when the housekeeper stood in her presence i'm sorry ma'am 
to have anything unpleasant for such ears as yours was the answer but i am convinced that a scullion girl is in the family way magdalen ejaculated the pious lady horrified at the mere idea oh do not utter anything so uncharitable i am sure of it ma'am i repeat persisted the housekeeper in fact i've had my suspicions about it for a long long time and now i am certain magdalen said mrs slingsby in a tone of profound solemnity this is a dreadful occurrence to take place in a house which i may safely assert has never yet been tainted with the breath of scandal at least so long as i have occupied it are you sure that your conjecture is right i would take my salvation oath that it is ma'am responded the housekeeper that expression on your part is incorrect magdalen observed mrs slingsby in a tone of mild reproach but i of course believe all you tell me relative to that miserable degraded girl let her be sent from the house this minute magdalen this very minute pay her any wages that may be due to her and inform her that her box shall be sent after her to her parents with a note acquainting them of the reason for her abrupt discharge she has no parents ma'am she is an orphan but she has friends no doubt said mrs slingsby inquiringly no ma'am i took her from the workhouse on the recommendation of a lady a friend of yours ma'am who visits them kind of places on a sunday distributing hymn-books disagreeable as the duty is it must nevertheless be performed magdalen and that duty so incumbent upon us is to turn the lost girl into the street pay her wages she has nothing to receive ma'am i advanced her money to buy herself decent clothes then let her go away without any money since she has none to receive interrupted mrs slingsby to give her a single shilling were to encourage her in that shameless career of profligacy whereon she has already so far entered your orders shall be obeyed ma'am replied magdalen and she withdrew to execute them for she had a spite against the poor scullery girl who had been intriguing with one of this over-particular housekeeper's own lovers shortly after this little occurrence which we have just related mr clarence villiers made his appearance in old burlington street he found his aunt alone in the drawing-room and the moment he had paid his respects to her he inquired for his much beloved adelais and her sister they are safe and well clarence answered mrs slingsby but before i summon them it will be necessary that we should have a little conversation relative to the proper and prudent course now to be adopted sit down clarence and grant me your attention the young man obeyed and prepared to listen with all the patience he could call to his aid for much as he respected and really loved his aunt whom he looked upon as a pattern of moral excellence and virtue he nevertheless experienced the anxiety of a lover to find himself in the presence of adelais i shall not detain you long clarence resumed mrs slingsby and it is for your own good that i am about to speak in the first place i feel it due to myself to explain to you that in receiving those young ladies into my house the other evening and at so late an hour i was influenced solely by that affection which i entertained towards you and by my conviction of your thorough integrity of purpose the mere fact of my bringing those almost friendless girls to seek an asylum with you dear aunt said clarence must prove to you how careful i was of their reputation and it was to assist your upright views that i received them without a moment's hesitation added mrs slingsby you know that if i had the means 
you should long ago have been put in possession of a sufficient fortune to have enabled you to complete with mr francis curtis in bidding with the mercenary mr torrens for his daughter but although my income is sufficient for my wants and thank heaven for a few little purposes of charity my dear aunt interrupted villiers wherefore renew an explanation so unnecessary because i would not have you suppose clarence that i would for an instant sanction my underhand proceedings in respect to your union with miss torrens had it been possible to have ensured that aim by means of her father's consent but continued mrs slingsby i conceive that there are so many extenuating features in the case that i cannot regret having granted an asylum to that dear girl and her sister and in thus securing them alike from the perils of london and from the pursuit of their father your kindness towards them will render their hearts as grateful as mine is exclaimed the young man warmly during the few days that my house has become their home continued mrs slingsby they have endeared themselves to me by their affectionate dispositions their tranquil habits their readiness to please and a thousand amiable qualities and therefore for their own sakes as well as yours i am ready to do all in my power to serve them but should mr torrance happen to discover their abode conceive the scandal that would be created the observations that would be excited my dear aunt i would not for worlds compromise you in any way ejaculated clarence but still do not fear that i am anxious to rid myself of their charming company added mrs slingsby i am only desirous that you yourself should adopt due caution so as to avoid being followed hither by any one who might be employed by mr torrens to watch you no imprudence on my part shall mar the success of my plans returned clarence the bans have been published at st george's once already and next sunday will be the second time it is scarcely probable that mr torrens will become aware of this circumstance and he certainly would not without any previous hint conjecture that the preliminaries for our union had been adopted in so fashionable a church as that in hanover square added clarence with a smile let two more sundays pass without the abode of my adelais being discovered and she will then become indissolubly mine have you seen any more of your kind friend who so generously took your part the other evening inquired mrs slingsby after a pause captain sparks exclaimed clarence not since i met him as i before informed you at a tavern in the strand avoid taverns my dear nephew interrupted mrs slingsby a cloud overspreading her countenance for by all i have ever heard or read concerning them they are fearful sinks of iniquity oh not the respectable taverns aunt replied villiers i had purchased a very handsome pair of pistols to present to the captain as a token of my esteem and then i recollected that i was totally unacquainted with his address i flew to the great army agents at charing cross but there was no such name as captain sparks in the list well i thought he might be in the navy and off i went to the admiralty but no captain sparks i therefore considered it fortunate when i accidentally met him in a tavern which i entered to procure some refreshment he positively refused to accept the pistols declaring that he had done nothing more than i should have done for him under similar circumstances but i thought there was something singular in the merry laugh which burst from his lips when i preferred the case containing the pistols however he is an excellent-hearted fellow and i shall always hold myself his debtor we walked together on that occasion as far as my own lodgings in bridge street 
and he entertained me with a perfect fund of anecdote all the time indeed i am as much pleased with him as i feel myself under an obligation to him gratitude is a rare virtue in this world remarked mrs slingsby who seldom lost an opportunity of letting drop a moral maxim and now she continued with a smile having taxed your patience to such an extent i must give you the well-merited award my kind and generous friend sir henry courtenay has advanced me a certain sum of money one half of which i require for charitable purposes of my own but the other i place at your disposal to enable you to hire and furnish a suitable dwelling to receive your bride take this cheque and to-morrow you can bring me my moiety oh my dear aunt have you borrowed of your friends to assist me exclaimed clarence overwhelmed by so much apparent generosity not entirely to assist you my dear nephew was the calm reply but partly as you perceive for myself however say no more about the trifle which i present to you and reward me by making a good use of it clarence embraced his relative adelais and rosamond were then summoned and the lovers were soon happy in each other's society we must now afford the reader some explanation relative to mrs slingsby's behaviour towards her nephew and in so doing we shall throw additional light upon the character of this lady she was of a crafty calculating disposition and seldom performed any act however trivial without a selfish motive the fact was that she had a very difficult part to play devoured with raging desires she was compelled to adopt a calm modest and reserved exterior and to conceal her debauchery beneath the cloak of religion sir henry courtenay was necessary to her in more ways than one necessary as a lover and necessary as a treasurer for she was totally dependent upon him in a pecuniary sense the report relative to the recovery of a portion of her late husband's fortune was a mere fabrication to account for her comfortable mode of life still she considered her position to be so dangerous that she was compelled to fortify it by all possible means she really loved her nephew for it often occurs that women of her description are capable of a strong attachment of this nature but even had she entertained no regard for him at all she would have pretended to do so because he was necessary to her he was a means by which she could constantly trumpet forth her charitable deeds while she herself appeared unconscious that they ever transpired taking good care that he should know all she did in the cause of religion or humanity she led him to believe in a great many things which she did not do and the consequence was that clarence was never wearied of repeating wherever he went those praises which he conscientiously considered to be his aunt's due now when a near relation corroborates the statements made by friends those statements receive a weight which places them beyond the pale of disbelief thus the world read mrs slingsby's character as clarence himself read it and reported it and with such an amount of testimony in her favour she could defy scandal even the most maliciously inclined dared not to venture a shake of the head nor a shrug of the shoulder for surely her own nephew must know whether she was as good as she was represented relations seldom praise each other behind their backs and when a dashing young fellow like clarence was so enthusiastic in praise of his aunt it was that he was thoroughly convinced of the sterling merit of her character such would have been the arguments opposed to any detractive observations that scandal might dare to let drop concerning mrs slingsby the lady finding her nephew so necessary to her interests 
naturally sought not only to maintain the most complete deception relative to herself in his mind but also to attach him towards her by substantial acts of kindness thus she had readily consented to receive adelais and rosamond into her house to oblige clarence and she now with the same interested motive made him a handsome pecuniary present she let him know that she had been compelled to borrow the money in advance of her imaginary income to enhance the value of the gift and also that the natural impression should arise in his mind excellent aunt she embarrasses herself to benefit me the reader now fully understands how complete a mistress of duplicity hypocrisy and deceit was the widow of old burlington street beneath that calm and placid demeanour under that veil of sanctity raged the most ardent lusts and agitated the most selfish feelings she was a living walking breathing lie her existence was one immense falsehood and yet so well did she maintain the semblance of even the sternest virtue that her real character was known only to two persons sir henry courtenay and another whom it is not at present necessary to name end of section thirty four read by celine major